those giant whales that only eat like algae and stuff like that. Somehow or another, when he was scuba diving, he got eight, and uh, he's got a crazy story about it. So I highly recommend checking that out. And so over the next five or six weeks, we're going to be jumping into this series that is going to deal with Jonah, and it's going to be about sharing your faith. And the truth of the matter is, like, sometimes sharing your faith is intimidating. Sometimes, um, well, let's be honest, most of the times you don't want to do it, and that's okay. And so what I had been give you was the gospel track, okay? And so if you've got that, look at it real quick. You've got it in your hands. It should be right there, okay? Look at that real quick. You've got permission to talk about it. Take 30 seconds and say, hey, what do you think about sharing your faith with other people? Go ahead and talk about that. Is it intimidating? Do you not want to do it? What does that look like for you? Are we recording? Perfect. 30 seconds. What does it look like for you and the gospel and sharing your faith? When do you do it? How do you do it? What does it look like? Don't worry, I'm not going to bring the mic around and let you talk about it. I won't intimidate you here. Pat Farmer. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So today what I want to do is I want to take you guys through the gospel in six words here. You see it behind me. We're going to talk about this. I'm going to give you some verses, some stuff just to help you guys out when it comes to the gospel. Does anybody have really good handwriting that wants to write on this board for me? Oh, she thought about it just for a second. She's like, no, not me, not me. Anybody? Anybody? Because I have terrible handwriting. Perfect. I can make this happen for you. Okay. Gospel. Can you guys tell me how to spell gospel? Anybody? Shout it out. Nice. Gospel. Okay. So now that we see the word gospel here, we see the word gospel on the screens. We all know that gospel has another meaning to it. According to your papers, what does the G stand for? Good news. Is that what it stands for? God. Okay. What is God? Why do you, why do you think we're talking about God here? Anybody, go ahead and shout it out. Just tell your friends, okay? I want you to look at Psalm, the book of Psalm, chapter number 100, verse number, wow, that was terrible. I'm so sorry. Three. Psalm 100, verse three. Here's what it says, and I want you to hear this, okay? And then I'm going to tell you what the G really stands for because we get God and I'll give you a little bit more here in just a second. Psalm 100, verse 3 says this. <clears throat> Acknowledge that the Lord is God. Focus in on this part, okay? Focus in on this. Lean in. This is something for all of us to know. He made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Okay? What does that tell us? You know what it tells me? It tells me this. All right, I'm going to erase what I wrote now. Okay, Psalm 100, verse 3. If you have a pen, I highly recommend writing down these on your thing. Okay, G, God. God created us to be with him. Okay? God created us to be with him. We see that in Psalm 100, verse 3. We see that throughout Scripture, that God has a purpose in creating us. We see that God loves us, that God wants a relationship with us. However, 
However, we have an issue, and this is something that we've talked about a lot already. On your papers, the O, what's it stand for? Our, 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 I can't even say that right, right? Like without saying some more with it. Our sins separate us from God. Okay, everybody, real quick, think about it real quick. Our sins separate us from God. What are sins? Anybody, shout it out. Somebody. Anybody? No, 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 no. Sins. That's the wrong things we do. It's the things that, um, if we're completely honest, it's the selfish things that we do. And God has a lot to say about this. And actually, the whole scripture actually points back to this because this is the breaking point. This is what stops us from having the right relationship that God wants us to have with him. It's our sins, okay? Our sins, they separate us from God. Romans 3.23, if you have a Bible turn there, it says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So Ben and I talked about this last week. If you were here, if you're not here, I'll give you a quick rendition of it. All means what, Ben? All. All means all, and that's all means, right? It means everyone, okay? That means literally everyone who has ever lived, every person with the exception of Jesus has sinned. And therefore, every person with the exception of Jesus needs their sins to be paid for. So let's talk about that. Let's lean into the next one, okay? This is one that trips up your generation. It trips up my generation, okay? Look at your paper. Read this one out loud to yourself out loud. Go ahead. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds, okay? Two, eight through nine. Okay. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. Okay? Because the truth of the matter is, is this. A lot of us have at least thought this at some point. If I can just do this, God will be okay with me. If I don't do this, God will be good with me, right? Like, I can get away with some things, but if I stop right here before going across this line... God and I, we're good. If I can do just enough good things in my life, then that will get me into heaven. No matter what you think, that's not it, guys. No matter how much you want to lean into that, that's not it. This, okay, your sins can only be removed by Jesus. They can only be removed by him. Check this out. Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 8 and 9, it says this. It says, sorry, I don't have this one bookmarked. I should have. 8 and 9, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You see that? God saved you when you believed. You don't get to take credit for it. Nothing good that you do can ever save you. All right? Nothing can. And the opposite is true, too. 
If you've believed in God, nothing bad you can do can take you away from his love. He still loves you. All right? So now it takes us to the P. Okay? The P says this. It says paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Okay, and we're going to take that one, 1 John. So number one, John, the guy who spent a lot of time with Jesus here, 4.10. Okay, 1 John 4.10, and this is what it says, okay? 1 John 4.10 says this. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. There's times in our lives where we don't necessarily love God. Our sins, when we're sinning, we we don't love God the way we should love God. However, we have to remember that this is a gift. This is something that, that, that we don't earn, okay? This is only through Jesus, that, that we can have heaven, that we can have eternal life, okay? That's the beautiful thing about the gospel. It isn't anything to do with us. It's all to do with what God did through Jesus, okay? And everyone, wow, I'm writing at an angle. You guys got to tell me these things, okay? Everyone who trusts in him alone will or has eternal life. Anybody know where this one's found? Probably the most famous verse in all the Bible. I heard it. Come on, work with me, work with me. My man, my man, John 3.16. Hey, is anybody brave enough to tell me what John 3.16 says without me having to look it up real quick? Anybody? For God... Hold on, hold on, hold up, y'all. Yo, chill, 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 just for a second, okay? We're going to come back to it. I promise we are. Okay, let's do this not like a robot, okay? All right, truth of the matter is, hey, my four-year-old knows this verse, okay? My four-year-old, she, she can tell you guys this verse. And when she says it, she doesn't say it like a robot. So I know you guys can do this. Let's try this again from the top. You guys ready? For God... Oh, I love you guys. Hey, do me a favor. Whoever it is you're comfortable with next to you, put your arm around them. Just give them a hug right now. Just give them a little bit of love right now, okay? A little bit of love. All right? This is good, right? This is good. I love this. Okay? Listen, 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 listen. Can I tell you again? I love this so much, and I think sometimes in church we don't do this enough. All right? God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross for you, and all you have to do is believe in him, and guess what? You get eternal life out of this. You get, you, you get eternal life. When my daughter says it, she says it like this. says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life, shall have eternal life. 
twice, right? Like she's getting both eternal lives. I want you to know that, okay? Like, like here's the thing, guys. Sometimes I think we miss it. Sometimes I think we overcomplicate the gospel. It's all about what God did. It's not about what you did. Your belief, guys, is what that first step is, okay? That's the beautiful thing about this acrostic here. The beautiful thing about this acrostic is that we can share the gospel with other people, and guess what? It's not our job to save them. We don't do any of that. Only God does. He opens their eyes. He opens people's hearts to understanding who he is. The L, life with Jesus. Man, I don't understand how teachers do this. Starts. Wow, am I, am I, I'm, I'm going really down, aren't I? <laughs> Starts now. Let's go back up the mountain, okay? And last. Wow, this is terrible. I'm so sorry for you guys who are looking at me right now. And last forever, and that's going to be found in John chapter 5. Verse 24. Okay, John 5, 24, it says this, okay? There's so many good ones here that I could have used, and, and I, I just, you know, it was tough picking out some of these, but I wanted you guys to have some just scripture points that you can talk back to with this. So make sure you're writing these down. It says this. John chapter 5, verse 24 says this. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they already have passed from death to life. Let me say it again. This is a good verse. This is one that we should memorize. This is one that, that should encourage you. This is one that should build you up, okay? I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Guys, if you've trusted in Christ for your personal Lord and Savior, if you put your heart and your faith in him, you're no longer condemned. You're no longer walking around oppressed. You're no longer due to your punishment of your sin. You don't have to worry about death, all right? God's got you. Right here, it says later in Scripture, it says, it says, no one can pluck them. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Those who have trusted in me, those who the Father has given me and I have received, those who have put their faith in me, they can't be taken away from me. Guys, the gospel is the beautiful thing of this. Jesus loves you. He died on a cross for your sins, for my sins. And if I put my trust in him, if you put your trust in him, then you can have eternal life. That's it. That's it. There's a whole lot of words on here, guys. But the truth, the easy way to say this is this. John 3, 16, we've known it since we were like this high. God loves you. He loves you so much. So back to my original question now. All that, talking through that, and it's a beautiful little thing up there. And the thing on your, your cards, I, I really want you to take this, and I want you to memorize this, Okay. I want you to, to memorize this, not only so you can share the gospel with other people, okay? I want you to memorize this so you can share the gospel with yourself. Because the truth of the matter is, is this. We need the gospel every day. We need to pray the gospel in our own lives. We need to believe that God has forgiven us and that God has set us free from our sins. 
We need to believe that, that God's got something bigger in store for us than we could ever imagine. And the truth of the matter is, is this. The world wants you to think that you're stuck in your sin. The world wants you to think that there's nothing good you can do. That once you've messed up, you're done forever. No, guys. That's the beautiful thing about the gospel. His mercies are new, and they're new every single morning. That's it. Guys, I don't want you to notice just so you can share it with other people. Do I want you to share it with other people? Oh, yeah. But I want you to share it with yourself first. That's why I can do this. That's why I can write this, guys. That's why I can put this down there because this is something that, that I've been doing now for 20 plus years that, that I've been trying to share the gospel with myself over and over again because when I mess up, I feel the weight of it, right? And I feel like I'm such a failure, but that's not what God says I am. God says you are forgiven. God says you are mine. You are loved. You are my beloved. And life starts now. Because we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait. We can, we can start living this thing out right now. And I love this because here's the truth. Is sharing the gospel scary? Oh, yeah. It is. Do you know why? Because we put the pressure on ourselves to say, I have to do this. I have to share the gospel. And if they don't accept Christ, then, then it's on me. And if they don't accept Christ, then I've done something wrong. The truth of the matter is, guys, you're just the messenger. You might just be the person who just pours water on the seed for maybe the first or the fifth time. And the seed's not ready to sprout yet. I've been there. I get it. Right? And my job, literally, I get paid to do this right. Sometimes there's, there's, there's pressure, right? Like there's pressure that I put on myself and says, well, like, like if no one responds to the gospel, then did I do my job right? Then I have to remember, it's not my job to get you guys to respond to the gospel. It's my job to give you the gospel, to give you the Bible clearly. And then guess what? It's God's job to get you awake to it. It's God's job to awaken your heart, to make you thirst for this. It's God's job to, to speak through my words, to speak through me. Is it scary? Yeah. But when you realize that you can't do anything and God does it all, as long as you're just an open vessel, it really does change things, okay? So in this, this series, what we're going to do, we're, we're going to talk about this gospel. And we're going to talk about how sometimes it does feel scary. But man, I'm excited for you guys to see this, this book of Jonah. To just, to just dive into it. To really see what he is. So Garrett, here's the fun part. You're going to have to try to chase me around on some of these slides. And I'm so sorry that I didn't put them in order. Okay, you ready? We're going to look at the life and calling of Jonah throughout this series. We're going to see what God is trying to teach us. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament and the rest of scriptures, God uses the stories of his dealings with people as a way to teach us, the people who are alive right now, who he is and who we are in relationship to him through the stories that we see in scripture, okay? Paul says this in, Act, or in Romans chapter 15. He says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance <clears throat> taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. So why do we read the Bible? Very simply. We want to see how God interacted with the people in the Bible. 
We want to learn from what God did with these people. And we want to take away life applications from that to apply it to our lives to understand who we are and who God is. So let's dive in to Jonah chapter number one. God calls Jonah. The story starts right here with whoever wrote this book saying God was talking with Jonah. It says this, verse number one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, for its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. When he, he got down, or he went down to Joppa, where he found a boat bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. We're going to throw a map up behind me and show you kind of what happened here, okay? So if you can't get it, throw that map up. There you go. Perfect. Okay? So we see that, that Jonah's been called. Jonah's somewhere around this Joppa area, okay? You see him down there? kind of in the, um, the middle-ish kind of part there. That's where he's at. And, and we find out that this is <clears throat> what's about to happen. Okay? So to better understand what's going on, it helps to understand the backstory about Jonah and the Assyrians. Okay? The Assyrians, Nineveh was their capital, and Jonah was a very popular prophet during the reign of, well, if I tell you this, it's okay, Jeroboam. Okay? Jeroboam II. Okay? And in 2 Kings, we, we, we get to know, we get to see some of Jonah's prophecy. It says this in 2 Kings 14, 25. It says this. He, King Jeroboam II, was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebehemoth to the Dead Sea in accordance to the word of God. The gospel of Israel spoken to or spoken through his servant, Jonah, the son, the prophet of Gath here. Okay. This prophecy would have been received well by, king, by the king and the nation of Israel. They, he was telling them, hey, guess what? We're, we're not going to be, like, like, like this isn't going to be split anymore, okay? We're, we're going to come back together. We're going to be one people, okay? <clears throat> and so there was an excitement that happened here. But God had a different plan. Telling Israel God's prophecy that the nation's boundaries would be restored once again would have been an easy task for Jonah. But what God was asking Jonah to do concerning the people of Nineveh was a different story. God was asking Jonah in these first three verses to go to his and all of Israel's actual mortal enemies, right? The wicked, the abusive Assyrians. And at this time, God called Jonah to preach to Nineveh, the Syrian people. They were considered the world's powerhouse. They were the greatest people in all the earth. They had a, just, a, just a huge empire going on right there during this time. God was asking them to go to the worst enemy who had bullied them for many years, to preach to them, to tell them to, to repent or to face God's judgment. Before Jonah, God had never called another prophet to to go outside of Israel to preach or to prophesy. This went against everything that Jonah had inside of him. He, He didn't want to do this. But God was not only going to use Jonah to preach for repentance to Nineveh, he also wanted to teach Jonah a bigger lesson when it comes to this. He wanted 
Jonah to know that, that God's grace doesn't stop at the doorstep of our enemies. Instead, it's truly a gospel that goes all the way into everyone who has a need for grace. And that's everyone, okay? This is the crazy thing, okay? So, so we look at this and we see God's calling him to go and do this. He's calling him. He's saying, hey, listen, Jonah, I've, I've let you give good words to the king. I've let you prophesy in my name. And, and good things have happened so far, right? But now, Jonah, I got another job for you. Jonah, I got a job you're not going to like. But I'm giving you a command here, and I'm telling you exactly what to do. I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to tell them to stop being wicked. I want you to tell them, hey, your sins, I've seen them. I hate them. Stop it. Don't do it anymore. Jonah didn't want to do it. I want you all to think about the person in your life who, man, I hate to even say this, but who's that person in your life you can't stand? That person in your life who, let's be honest, like, like hate's a very strong word, but you very, very much dislike this person. I want you to imagine just for a minute that, that God he starts talking to you. You're, you're praying one night, and man, you're trying to live for God. And God, all of a sudden, he gets a hold of your heart, and he says, hey, I want you to go tell this person to stop sinning. I want you to tell this person, hey, I love them, and I want them to stop what they're doing. How hard would that be? Easy? This person who has just been terrible to you. This person who is realistically like, they cause more harm in your life than anybody else. Yet they're considered the better one. That's what God was doing with Jonah here. He wanted Jonah to understand, hey, listen, I care for these people. I'm merciful. And they deserve a chance for forgiveness and goodness of God. You see, God wanted them to understand anyone who, who has a chance here to, to be forgiven needs that opportunity. And it's your job to do this, Jonah. And so Jonah came to learn. He came to know that God's a God of love. And God's a God of, he's, he's just. He's going to give a warning here. And, and listen, this is the beautiful thing about how this happens, okay? Here's the really cool thing is that when it comes to this whole beginning part, this, this kickoff to Jonah is this. We see him running. We see him making this cautious decision that, hey, I, I, I want to do my own thing more. And if we're honest in here, the truth of the matter is, is that, that if, if we felt that God was telling us this, we might do the exact same thing. When we saw that person who we ultimately want to ignore, that person who we ultimately don't want to spend time with, it's easy to go the other way. But God had a different plan, and we're going to see that throughout these chapters in Jonah. But here's what, we do. Here's what I see. As we grow in Christ, we often find, as Jonah did, that our knowledge of God and our true heart to love him 
and love others often falls short. So what do we need to do to close this gap? Jesus gives us an answer to this. Right before he goes to the cross, he's hanging out with his disciples. It's one of the last times he actually gives them some instruction before he dies on the cross. And it's found in John chapter 15. It says this. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, the goal is fruit. It's spiritual fruit, which is the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, and self-control that we see in Galatians 5. And we see that, that, that Jesus says, hey, he says, hey, listen, like, like, like Really? Be with me. Like if you're going to call yourself a Christian, if you're going to call yourself a Christ follower, you have to spend time with me. There's this word we used two weeks ago. It's called sanctification. It's the process of becoming more like God. It's the process of becoming more holy. It's the process of following like Jesus and becoming who Jesus wants you to be. And that's what Jesus is getting to in this John chapter 15. He's saying, hey, listen, I want you to be like me. And the only way for you to be like me is to continue to remember the things that I've taught you. Remember the things that you've seen. To spend time with me. To focus your mind, to, to not allow the distractions to get you. You see, the more time we spend with God, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more our lives will become They'll begin to change naturally. We'll desire the things that he desires for us. Our heart will become more like his. He continues in John 15. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you will wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, as, as we're getting older, as, as I've started to see, okay, like, my life needs to be following after Jesus. My, my, my heart, guys, the hardest thing sometimes being your youth pastors to give hard consequences. To be just like what I feel like is mean. Because I have to ask those questions of, of God, what do you want here? God, how can I best grow our students? How can, when our students graduate... How can they look more like you? How can I know that they will leave the church, God, and find another church when they go off to school? How can I know that they're ready, God? And this is what he tells me. He says, let me handle that. You give them my word. You give them exactly what I, who I am. And let them chase after me. Let them discover who I am. You see, guys, the reason some of us, we, we want to grow in here. The reason that some of us aren't growing is because we're not spending enough time in this. Okay? Man, let me be honest with you guys for a second. I mean, it's so easy to fall into the traps of everything else this world promises us that is good. Okay? Man, let me, the, the truth of the matter is, like, I've got, um, you look at my phone right now. You'll see I've got Sleeper on here. Sleeper is a fantasy football app. 
I can see like what's happening in my league right there, and I've got Twitter happening on me. Yeah, I'm old, I still use Twitter, okay? I spend way too much time on those, right? Like I, I spend way too much time on those. What's the thing that you spend way too much time on? What's holding you back in your relationship with God? What's stopping you from remaining in Jesus? This term abide. Abide means to remain. Abide means to be a part of, to draw close, to to, to dwell. That's what Jesus says he wants us to do. Be with me. Be with me. And when you're walking throughout life, guys, you'll start to see things differently. Mission trip guys, people who just got back from mission, people who are going on mission in just a little bit, you get a taste of this, right? We get a taste of this at camp, right? We get a taste of, of, of what does it really look like to spend time with God, like to literally try to change our mindset, to, to look for others first. That's what Jonah's life was supposed to be all about. He was a prophet. His job was to go tell Nineveh. God loves you. God wants you to stop doing what you're doing. He wants you to turn and look to him. Jonah's love for his country, his love for his people, his love for what others would think about him, it hindered him in this task. It hindered him so much that it did cost him to go and jump on a ship, to go the opposite way, to not listen to what God had to say. We're going to talk about that. We're going to keep going with that. In Matthew, Jesus actually talks about Jonah. Crazy enough. And I I want to share that with you guys as we start to wrap up here today. It says this. Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 41 says this. And some some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given it except of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and, not, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Crazy thing is this. Jonah ran from God, guys. Jonah completely disobeyed. He jumped on a ship and literally tried to get as far away from the people who God was telling him to go to. But look at how Jesus talks about him. He mentions him in a positive light. He uses it as a historical fact and as a a foreshadowing to his own death and his burial and resurrection. So as the Son of God, Jesus lived a life surrendered to the Father's will. The life that Jonah was supposed to, to, to live and to foreshadow. Man, it's, it's crazy because Jesus says this. He says very, in John chapter 5, verse 19, he says this. Very truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what, um, what he sees the Father is doing because whatever the Father does, also the Son does. Here's the crazy thing. Here's your big takeaway today. Here's the, the thing I want you to walk away with is simply this. When we commit our lives 
to Jesus through his word and prayer, Jesus changes our hearts to be like his. Jesus changes us to, to truly follow him. Here's what I'm scared of. I'm scared we're all too distracted to really follow Jesus. I think a lot of us, we know this part. Like we got it up here, but we don't have it in here. A lot of us, we're trying to, to really make this transition. We're trying to follow God, but we don't, we've got questions about how do I do that? What does it look like in my life to truly follow after Jesus? How can I be a better Christian? And it's simple, guys. The answer is this. John chapter 15. Abide. Remain. Dwell. Whatever the distraction is in your life, guys, whatever it is to, that's taking you away from God, it's time to realign our focus. It's time for us to start looking for what does it look like for me now to truly grow up, to truly take that next step. Everybody in here under the sound of my voice today, this is one of my favorite times of the year. It's also one of my hardest times of the year, right? Like, like normally we have a whole lot more of you guys in this. But right now, you guys are the ones that should be mature by another year. You should be more mature than you've been literally ever right now. I want you to think about who you were a year ago. Literally, some of you guys were literally coming in here for the first time. You were sixth graders and, 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 and like, actually, this time last year, you would have been still in fifth grade. You hadn't even experienced any of this. You should be so much further along than you are. For some of you guys, you've been growing. You've done so good. What does it look like for us to really, really spend time with Jesus? What does it look like for us to really spend time in prayer? What does it look like for us to really just remain in him? Because here's the thing. Back to that person who I had you imagine a few minutes ago. That person who, realistically, you know who they are. The person you can't stand. The person, if we're being honest, that you would like something not fortunate to happen to them. What do you think God wants for them? When we're living in light of this, it changes everything. But when we're living in light of our flesh, we want those negative things to happen. So my question today, which way do you want to go? Do you want to live in light of this or do you want to live in light of this? Do you want to keep doing what you're doing right now or do you want to grow? And if you want to grow, let me challenge you in one more way. Come talk to me. I would love to get you plugged in with a leader who will help disciple you, who will help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, okay? That's what discipleship is all about, okay? Not everybody's going to be on the same level of discipleship. I want you to understand that. You're not all at the same pace right now. But our leaders are wise enough that we can help you grow in the areas you need to grow in right now, that you will look more like Jesus tomorrow than you did today. That's a win in discipleship. So whoever you are, whoever I'm talking to right now, whoever needs discipleship, come see me. Let's talk to what does that look like in your life. Okay? Can I pray over you guys? 
Father God, today I thank you for a chance to open your word. I thank you for a chance, Lord, to examine so many passages of scripture. God, I thank you most of all, though, for what you did through Jesus. I thank you that, Lord, you gave your life for us. And so today, God, I pray for the students in this room who, Lord, haven't accepted this, who haven't believed this yet. I pray that, God, they will see the truth, that the truth is you love them and you have a better way for them. God, for the students in this room who have believed in you, but, God, they haven't taken that next step of truly following you, of truly trying to abide, to to dwell. I pray that, Lord, you'll just burden our hearts to know that we were created for something so much more than just living. God, let us see that living really happens in you and through you. So, God, I thank you for this. I thank you for the story of Jonah. I thank you for what you're going to do through this series. I do pray that, Lord, we will get serious about our faith. We'll get serious about being in your word. We'll get serious about praying to you, that we'll be serious about knowing who you are. And that way we can point others to you and understand what our relationship is. God, thank you for that. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being with us here today.